2: I guess your TV must be broken. Ha <laughs> ha, just kidding.
1: Actually, I'm not kidding. You're bored. Hey, Adam, what are you thankful for? I'll tell you, Brad, and I appreciate you asking. My mom's cooking clean balls and having clean balls while I eat my mom's cooking. And you know who did that to me? Manscaped. Thank you to Manscaped for supporting the About Last Night podcast. If you don't know who they are, your balls must not be well kept. Manscape is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming, wink, wink, the balls, with the right tools for the right job. And if you want to have clean, perfect balls... Go right now to manscaped.com and put in the promo code ALN to get 20% off your order, free shipping, and a free travel bag. What's that promo code, Brad? That promo code is ALN. At manscaped.com for 20% off, free shipping, and a free travel bag. And now, enjoy the episode. This weekend, I will be at the Pittsburgh Improv in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Do you live in Pittsburgh? Do you live nearby? Come out and see me this Thursday through Saturday. Uh, Tickets at AdamRayComedy.com or Improv.com. Pittsburgh Improv, August 8th through the 10th. First time there. Cannot wait. Um, And then next weekend, August 17th, I'll be in Monterey with Adam Carolla. Doing Adam Carolla is unprepared. Tickets at AdamRayComedy.com. And then August 22nd through the 25th, I'm at Rooster Tea Feathers in Sunnyvale, California. Tickets at AdamRayComedy.com. This weekend, Brad Williams is going to be in Las Vegas, baby. uh, At the Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club, a new club in Vegas, August Um, 8th through the 11th, go see Brad Jimmy Kimmel's Comedy Club Tickets at bradwilliamscomedy.com. Today's episode is a beast of an episode. We're talking legend status. Been at the Comedy Store since 1976. Guest host of The Tonight Show, uh, more than anyone in the history of The Tonight Show. Um, was a part, an integral part of the uh, creation and founding of the Comedy Store uh, on Sunset Boulevard. Um, just a legend in his own right. Articles syndicated all over the New York Times. Hosts a weekly show um, on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, The Argus Hamilton Show, uh, which you got to check out. He's at every big comic-con, and it's a a blast. Brad and I have done it. And uh, and he's here today making his ALN debut. The one and only Argus Hamilton makes his podcast loft debut (laughs) here in Los Angeles. And we talked everything. Comedy Store, uh, the, the early days of Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, Um, the transition that the Comedy Store has gone through, uh, how the names on the wall got created, his relationship with Mitzi, Johnny Carson... We covered it all. This episode is truly one of my faves. And if you're a comedy junkie, you're going to love it. So follow Argus on Twitter and Instagram at Argus Hamilton. Me at Adam Ray Comedy. Brad at Funny Brad on Twitter. At Brad Williams Comic on Instagram. Um, at Alan Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. AdamRayComedy.com for all my tour dates. Brad Williams Comedy.com for his tour dates. Read the room. My album is still out on iTunes and Spotify. Go get it. Listen to it. Love it. And then come to my shows. And hear the new shit, baby, lastnightpodcast.com for all your ALN merch and past and present eps, and uh, shopadamray.com for all the Adam Ray merch. She-Ra Season 3 has dropped on Netflix, so go check that out. DreamWorks is she I voice Swiftwin, The Talking Horse. That's on Netflix, streaming now. And, uh, and a lot more exciting stuff uh, coming up, and some killer guests that we have confirmed. Holy shit. Um, Chris Jericho, uh, Gary Payton, Seattle supersonic legend. Uh, Stamos is finally happening, so get excited for that, um, and stay subscribed on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and comment on the iTunes page, and email us at aboutlastnightpod at gmail.com. We've got some uh, fun new announcements coming up that we will be uh, uh, using these uh, these emails for, so, so email us at aboutlastnightpod at gmail.com, where you get the pod, what you uh, love about it, your favorite apps, uh, where you listen to it, and all that jazz. Now that we got the tour dates, Twitter handles, and merch info out of the way, sit back, relax, and enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with the one and only Argus Hamilton. Well the weekend's over and it's time to chat about it's it. It's time
2: to chat about Got it. Got a midget
1: and a juice, so why don't you sit down So and, Why
2: don't you sit hey, down? And
1: listen to our dog podcast, podcast. Whether lunch, dinner or, First dinner, or breakfast. Brad Williams and Adam,
0: Ray Williams and Adam are Ray here
1: for you time of day. day so oh.
0: come over and treat
2: yourself right. It's about last night. Come on and treat yourself right. It's about bad last
1: night. Right. Well, come on and treat yourself right. It's a bad last night. Right. So come on and treat yourself right. It's a bad
2: last night. Bill Hicks used to call time to uh, pull the rip cord and parachute safely to Dick Joke Island. <laughs> 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 Isn't that great? <laughs> That's so.
0: Appropriate And so good. Yeah, there's tricks you can do to get him back. Like, But if you're Stephen Wright and you go, I oh, once spilled spot remover on my dog. I haven't found him in weeks. Like, if that doesn't hit, I mean, it's a great joke, but it, like, if
2: that doesn't hit, what, what do you do? You just got to go, all right. And then go on to the next one. Austin Comics were furious. That he, they felt he cut in line. Yeah. When he flew out to L.A. early and started doing the Tonight Show. Yeah. Because they felt like he was like third or fourth in line at that big club in Boston.
0: Oh yeah, and like the what was it, the Ding Ho, or uh, no, Ding Ho? What was the? What you was know, big, Lenny Clark. <laughs> yeah. Was the big MC. Right, he's the guy. The,
2: the guy who did the Fireman Show. Uh, fireman Show. Uh, oh, Leary. Yeah, Dennis Leary. Yeah, was, yeah. All these guys were, and uh, a couple of Irish comics were just been. Kevin...
0: Oh, Mooney? Mooney.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys were way ahead of him in the pecking order in Boston. And he just came out and took... Well, and that's the thing...
0: And that's the thing that always confuses me. And I've definitely fallen into this trap before that people think there's an order. And it's like, no. No, there's not. there's, There's no logical thing to this there's there, there, there's no like okay it's time for Brad's sitcom no one else gets right. a sitcom yeah. Brad gets a sitcom now that doesn't happen there, there is no order that's just however well, it happens back then
2: it was you impress Mitzi okay Yep. And then your next task is to impress Jim McCauley and then your next deal is to impress Carson cause Jim McCauley booked Carson Yeah. yeah he was the talent coordinator and what you didn't know when you walked out and did the Tonight Show especially the first time yeah. was it you're used to playing clubs with the with the uh, front row right up next to you yeah everybody's friendly it's, oh, yeah. it's packed just like dynamite or a firecracker right? Mm-hmm. right for explosion and the nbc studios had been built in 1953 and 54 to try to lure Jack Benny, Red Skelton, and all Sid Caesar—all these great sketch comics from CBS over to NBC. Sid Caesar, okay. show of show shows. And so what they did was they made yeah. these huge studios sketch comedy friendly, and you would uh, have 400 seats, and you have the cameras in between the seats and you, wow. and so you would have 40 feet between you and the front row. Wow! And so three who you huge, play to? three huge RCA cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And So. It takes you one joke to figure out the studio audience is watching the camera, the, mon- uh, the uh, monitors, just like they're sitting at home. Yeah, they're so not watch- watching you. No, they're not, they're, they're watching looking the monitors. Up. Okay, they're all watching the monitors. Yeah. So what you do is you got three cameras, one, two, three, and you go, for the three, three setup joke, you go premise to that camera, setup to that camera, punchline to the middle camera, and they explode. Wow, and that-, and that,
0: I've literally never, I've heard, Probably hundreds, if not thousands, of people talk about their experiences on the Tonight Show. I've never heard one person describe it that way. Yeah, that,
2: that, that's how it was, and you yeah. instinctively reacted and and did the right thing. Yeah, yeah, because because none of us, at least since in seventy six and seventy seven. Uh when you whole, started, our right? Our whole cadre of, of comics at Westwood. When yeah. we were traveling between Westwood and the Sunset Store, yeah. we would sometimes stop off at Beverly Hills discos and get up on stage and perform for twenty-five dollars. Okay, and these discos were death traps because you had a, the curse of all our business—the dance floor between yeah, you yeah, and the front yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you had thick carpets, jealous Persians, and Anglo girlfriends <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, who know, thought you were funny. Yeah. Who, who yeah. thought you were funny? And, and then and, the, like the boyfriends are, are like, that, "Yeah, that's not and then, good." And then behind them, there are the backgammon players telling you to hold <laughs> it down. <laughs> and you know you're you know you're bombing when you can hear the dice rolling. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that's not a good sign. Uh, yeah, but it's twenty five dollars, boy Twenty five dollars. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's a lid. <laughs>
0: Yeah Wow I I, I was having this conversation With another comedian The other day Because we did We did two shows And then we heard About an open mic That was going until Like one o'clock In the morning Yeah So we went Oh well let's go do The open mic And as we're walking They were like we are sick fuckers. You know that? Like, we just did two sold out shows in Columbus, Ohio, yeah. and it was great, packed audiences, 450 people. And now we're like, ooh, is there a bagel shop that's got like
1: 15 people that we
0: can go talk to? Let's go do that. Like, yeah, we're sick. We're you know, sick. You're,
1: you're a true comic at yeah, that point, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean,
2: how many. Uh, well, you, I don't know if you've ever been a cocaine addict, but you just described it. <laughs> You know what? It, it's funny that's you say that. Like you're looking for little white speckles on the floor yeah. at Six in the morning. Do I do I find a little more or go to Seven Eleven now that the liquor's open? Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's funny. It's funny you said that. Yeah. Uh, I started a rumor when I was in high school that yeah. all dwarves are addicted to cocaine. Oh really? Uh, I, I I did that because I found out that like I well I kind of discovered that dwarves don't have any real stereotypes. All our stereotypes are like we live in a tree, we make cookies, yeah. we make chocolate, you know. So uh, sorry, Adam, that's not real. Okay.
1: Uh, but, uh, Is there a Santa Claus? Oh, yeah, yeah. Are my parents getting back together, but uh, so <laughs> nothing's real.
0: <laughs> I started a rumor that dwarves are addicted to cocaine. So when I ran for class president, because and, and the only reason why I did is because you you could do a sketch. I didn't want to run the school. I just right. wanted to do a sketch for the entire school. So I did a sketch where part of the sketch I dove into a wagon with powdered sugar in it, <laughs> and the all the all the kids were like, "Oh my god, it's real!" And all the and all the teachers were like, "I don't understand. Like, is this a new thing?" <laughs> That's the only reason why I did it. That's amazing. <laughs> and that's the closest I've ever done to doing cocaine. And, and all the, the good-looking
2: chicks that would go to the Persians later on <laughs> <laughs> were loaded with money. <laughs> exactly. You were just acting like you're a millionaire. Yeah. Oh, anyway, hey, it was fun. Wait,
1: I, so was that Westwood Comedy Store? Is that where you started? That was 1976.
2: Well, what would happen is, is that um, there was a tremendous generation of baby boomers just hitting the comedy store in 76 we Got just graduated you. from college gotcha. we'd all gone through Watergate you mm. know and a tremendous amount of baby boomers there were 75 million of us uh, were turned off those of us who wanted to stand up and perform in front of the public you know you had about three options you know you, you the stand-up comedy uh, politics or the ministry okay and those are the three things where you where you perform for yeah a
0: week, right? and yeah and you're coming from Oklahoma where the min- where the ministry is probably the top and All I'm the, the top son, top grandson, chart. and
2: great grandson of Anglican ministers. So, uh, trust, wow! Uh, trust me, it's I, in the blood. I, I'm, I'm familiar with it. Wait, yeah. what part of
1: Oklahoma, real quick?
2: Huh? Uh, well, my father would move about every six years to larger churches. Okay. And so I was born down in southeast Oklahoma. I do a joke. Uh, so my, it's called Little Dixie. So my uh, birthstone is crystal meth. but uh the point is is that those were the three options yeah and and that nixon and all the things that that disillusioned america out of out of uh politics Mm -hmm. so a lot of us a lot of the really talented ones went into stand-up comedy yeah and so the lay of the land was when johnny carson moved the tonight show to los angeles in may of 72 yeah it was the same month the same year that Sammy Shore opened the Comedy Store on the Sunset Strip. Wow! What that meant was, was that all the comics who had been working at the Improv in New York City, led by Robert Klein, David, uh, uh, all these guys, Steve Landsberg, Jay Mm -hmm. Leno, all these, uh, Jimmy Walker, uh, all these great comics, they had to come out to Los Angeles in order to do The Tonight Show. right? Because The Tonight Show was it, you had to do it. Mm -hmm. If, If you wanted a career. And so they all migrated out, and the comedy store Sunset was the immediate beneficiary of all this, I would say, 30 to 40 great New York trained young comics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. They would all permeate the Mike Douglas, Merv Griffin, uh, and the uh, Dinah Shore afternoon shows. And the really good ones would go on. Freddie Prinze was their mascot. Yeah. uh, Would go on to the Tonight Show. That was the lay of the land. So here come all the baby boomers my age. And. Mitzi establishes a club over in Westwood mm-hmm. uh, between Wilshire and Santa Monica on Westwood Boulevard. And it happens to be a 235 seat room, brick walls, low ceiling, yeah, a perfect, perfect. room. Perfect. It's just as good as La Jolla. Yeah, the yeah. Comedy yeah. store La Jolla. And so what Mitzi does is she uses that. She thinks. As her AAA farm club, mm-hmm. where she's gonna, t- she, she, you, you make regular and she sends you over to Westwood. Right. And suddenly, Westwood becomes what Elaine Boozer called Argus's treehouse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and all of these great, great co- young comics. Uh, we were all in the same pledge class in 76. Michael Keaton, Robin Williams, Arsenio Hall, oh Marshall Warfield. God. Anybody uh, good? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all, uh, Ollie, Joe Prater, these Alan Stevens, all these legends, absolute legends. Mm-hmm. There must have been two dozen legends in that one pledge class. Yeah. And so we started, we would perform at Westwood every night. And Mitzi would have MCs, I'd, I would MC. And so Tuesday through Thursday and Sunday we'd rule the roost. Mm-hmm. Then Friday and Saturday, she'd send the adults over to pack the room. Sure. And, and the big the big room packer was Jimmy J.J. Walker. No kidding. From Good Time. Yeah. Because that and was on is, at the time. Yeah. It was right. on for eight years. Yeah. yeah. Eight yeah. years. And that's when everybody watched network television. All right. Because you had four channels. So, so Jimmy and the Westwood crowd. This, Jimmy was responsible for really the success of the comedy store that led up to Mitzi purchasing the entire Sunset Strip building in 1976. Wow. Thanks to Jimmy Walker. Wow. He's the one that provided all the revenue. That's amazing. And, and he,
1: did he get a kick out of like knowing that he was you know contributing his you No,
2: know, he got a kick out presence. of every audience. Yeah. St- that, that was his deal. He's, yeah. he's one of us. He really is yeah. one of and us.
1: And I've gotten to you know meet him a few times and he seems just so friendly. It yeah. seems like this is who he was then, yeah?
2: Exactly, exactly. And great to everybody. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he would he was making so much money at the time Mm -hmm. that you had these older baby boomers that had either migrated over from the improv or started early here in 73, 74, like David Letterman and Jay Leno. Jimmy Walker would put them to work, giving them $100 a week salaries to write jokes for him. And they would Mm -hmm. meet at Jimmy Walker's condo twice a week. And you you would have Leno, Letterman, 14-year-old Byron Allen. Wow. And then two legendary... Uh, co-
0: to be fair, Byron already owned three networks at that <laughs> time. <point. laughs> yeah, yeah, 14 years old, well. he was yeah. killing it. Yeah. This is
2: what happens if you listen to your mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No shit. <laughs> do this she would she would drop him off at Westwood and wait outside. It, I mean, no she, way. She, she, she's, a, she's the power of And he natural. was helping write jokes, too? Is, huh? that what is that what you're saying? He was there to help? Oh, yeah. He was a natural gag writer. He wow. really was. Wow. And, and he would also have two other soon to be great gag writers uh wayne klein and monty Adam, if if there's anybody in the joke writing community watching they're they're legends yeah and so and what jimmy would do was he would take the they would all write these tremendous one-liners for yeah and he would put them on on note cards Mm -hmm. and on sunday night jimmy would sit on the uh stage at the comedy store westwood Right after Larry David would scream at the crowd, tell them they didn't get his jokes, that <laughs> stupid Los Angeles people, and only New Yorkers are smart, <laughs> I, I, which I, killed every time. Yeah, or would yeah, yeah, be this embarrassed silence, and I'd walk up on stage. <laughs> yeah. What would you say? Like, I Act like it never happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, killing. And then, but now that the guy you've all come to see, the star mm-hmm. of Good Times, Jimmy Walker, and he would go, yay, and he would sit. This is only on Sunday night. he would sit on this bar stool, and he would read these jokes that Leno, Letterman, Wayne Klein, Byron Allen. Money ate him. Boom, 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 just murder. And throw him over his shoulder, and that's the last time he would ever do him. Get the, the fuck out of time. here! The last time he threw away six hours of material a year, just sitting up there having a good time with the audience. Holy I would shit.
0: be like, if I was a comic back then, I would like be behind him with a catcher's mitt, yeah, yeah. yeah. just like, be, like yeah. come on!
1: I gotta get a good new seven
2: because there's a curtain up there. He reach, out yeah. And, yeah. Oh, sweet <laughs> lord! Said, Why America. did he
1: do that? He just huh? was that a? Uh...
2: He, no, he was generous. He loved having those guys around. They probably made him sharp. Harper and funnier, just right, hanging. sure, but he loved hanging with them. And uh, those guys uh, were great to hang with if you love writing jokes, they really were. Well, yeah, they're all, they're all natural they're, gag and
0: writers. they're just yeah. technicians. Like, yeah. when, when, when you hear Leno describe how you write a joke, it's like, oh, you've broken this down on a micro level.
1: Oh, yeah, like it. it it's amazing. But you're right. the same way, Argus, you know, like you, I yeah. mean, I put you right in that same well, boat well, as all those well, guys.
2: Well, Leno was really the like you say he was the the one you watched for that perfect construction
1: yeah
2: right uh, letterman's Jokes uh, depended on his quirky personality, mm-hmm. but Leno would have perfect jokes like uh, he would talk about all the, the sleaze going on 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 Hollywood Boulevard, the Sunset Boulevard, mm-hmm. whatever was going on that week. You sure. take a deep breath and he said, "I just say this: if God doesn't destroy Hollywood, he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology." <laughs> Man, the roof would just come down. There's a yeah. the perfect joke on Hollywood. Yeah. And It's a perfect joke, and and. <laughs>
0: Here's how I always describe the perfect joke: is what word do you take out? What word do you add in? Nothing. 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 So you get It's done. Yeah. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. And 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 to add, and to back up what Adam already said, like you're that guy where, where I mean you, you're your Joe column, you're writing daily material, like you're, your you're Twitter, doing Facebook post.
1: You don't waste words. No. I feel like I don't no, know where you just got just that. Just
2: adding one out front that Jeffrey Epstein is now on suicide watch, which means he sleeps with one eye open. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. my God! Yeah, Hillary's not allowed to visit. Yeah. <laughs> how often? How do you? I, I just brought him a, 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 you know, some wine that Vladimir Putin gave me. The rest of people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you have a? Do you have a process? Do you have a? Do you have a thing where you go like, okay, I I you have read a, the news. Uh, first? Yeah, I have a bowl. I have a bowl of kicks. I read the news and I write jokes. Like like, what's yeah. your thing in the morning?
2: What you do is. Uh, you you look at the news item and you mm-hmm. and you, you're trained you're trained. There's about five different ways you can attack any yeah. news item, and uh, whatever you think is funny is what is what you ought to go with. Okay, okay? trust your instincts. You know, I, I learned something in my last monologue uh, on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and that is that if I don't believe in the in the let's say the politics behind a joke, sure, I shouldn't tell it because yeah. somehow the crowd will feel I'm, I'm not, my soul's not in it. Yeah. know. Because I'm always best when I'm telling, if I'm telling an Adam Ray joke, it's not s- something that people would be laughing at Adam Ray, yeah. it would be a joke that Adam would laugh at too. Right. And mm-hmm. laugh at too, yeah, and then yeah. I'd say you can take that one and put it in the first person, it, it, yeah. and we'd all be happy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm still waiting for that moment to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna come over Okay, good. <laughs> but,
0: you're right, but, there, but there's that thing, and it's amazing, and it, it, it takes a while to figure it out as a comedian where, like, and I feel like this happens to a lot of comics when they're younger where they see whoever's hot at the time yeah. and they go oh that's what I have to do I have to be like when I was coming up it was Dane Cook there was you would go to any open mic any, any show and there'd be 10 Dane Cooks on the lineup
2: would any of them get a laugh no, because that's not Dane, who they, who they, they Dane are. Cook. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> that's, that's funny. Yeah, like Dane. That that's Dane stuff. It yeah. works for him. Yeah. So like, you have to find out what works for you. And like you say, if you don't believe it's funny, don't don't say yeah.
2: it because the audience will know. Uh, but but what I went I went one step further. If I don't believe in the. Thought behind the premise. If I'm just doing mm. it because it's a clever joke, don't right. do it. Don't do right. it. You have to believe in in the attitude behind the joke.
0: Yeah. If, if, if you're like, oh, I have a I have this really good anti-gun joke, but you're a yeah. pro-gun yeah. guy, yeah, it's
2: gonna come out. Yeah, they're gonna if know. If I were to do an anti-cocaine joke, people would go, "Argus, this isn't you. Come on, come on. How many jokes? Is there a chick here you're trying to impress? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's it. Who
1: are you lying to, Argus? Have you? Uh, did, so do you ever? Is there a a, a a certain amount of like? Do you have a joke? quota that you want to fill in a day or do you really like when do you feel like you've had a good writing day
2: uh i have uh, i'm obliged by the newspapers i write yeah to write 13 jokes a day gotcha and they're when did that three, start they're all three sentence jokes three sentence jokes. okay you've been now, doing that for how long uh started daily oklahoma in 1991 wow because when <sighs> see i was i was sort of groomed everybody in the 80s when i was doing all the tonight show shots mm-hmm. they said well argus is like johnny's son okay Mm-hmm. And uh, and and to be honest with you, Johnny was communicating with my father and with Mitzi at the time. No way, you know about my my cocaine and and, and alcohol addiction. Right, mm-hmm. and they were they would eventually get together, force me to go to the Betty Ford Center and get well, or I had no place to go and no wow. daddy to fall back on. Wow. So, so so but but that made me untrustworthy with the people up at NBC. Sure. Mm. So I got bypassed. For the chance to guest host for, uh, for say, Shandling. Uh, Letterman was already going to guest host, right? yeah. but Shandling, Shandling and, and, Leno, and Leno went flying by me because yeah. I was deemed either out there partying or too young in my recovery to oh, wow. have that responsibility. So in 91, after um, after trying everything to get on as the host of a Fox talk show, mm-hmm. I came real close to that. But... Uh, uh I, I decided well i'll just i'll just retreat and go the newspaper route like will rogers did who yeah. was a good friend of my grandfather's and started doing the newspaper thing yeah and that came along with the persian gulf war and all this stuff and suddenly i was here again with uh, with the reporters because the reporters print reporters were always really good to me yeah oh, really and that and, and like in
0: your column got to be syndicated like
2: yeah everywhere and uh, the the big deal that uh, that millennials wouldn't understand right now is Mm -hmm. that there was a a great radio host that was bigger than rush limbaugh at the time Mm -hmm. who had a five minutes or ten minute uh news commentary that was syndicated all over the country called named Paul Harvey. Mm, okay. And Paul Harvey had, was on the radio for 40 years. He wow. was like Jesus on the radio. Mm. Right? And he lived until like the age of 97 or something, but he was a factor on radio up until about the year 2000. And for <laughs> 8 years Harvey would quote one of my jokes every day cuz wow. my assistant would fax him the 13 jokes. Yeah. For, and and so everybody knew me. Yeah, uh, I, I was just I was on TV hiatus because the, the, the t- young TV executives my age in the 90s thought I had already passed my sell-by date as okay. far as getting, uh, becoming a host. I, uh, after my first Tonight Show shot in 80, it was so huge, uh, that in the next five coming through in the next year and a half, I was offered 36 sitcoms yeah turn, turned them all down i read that somewhere yeah, now, yeah. and i was like well, there's no way no that's way. true i was not going to be known it was because it was because i was partying with robin williams and he was miserable at being known as mork okay yeah and jimmy walker hated being called jj yeah wow. so i said i don't want to be known by my sitcom character name the rest of my life i want to host a talk show and do stand-up anyway yeah i'll stick to the comedy store wow not knowing yeah what a survival uh, compass i had inside me yeah mm-hmm. because 25 years later all my peers they've gone through their sitcoms they've gone through their fortunes uh the kids private school tuition taxes divorces accounting divorce (laughs) settlements uh you know all this stuff yeah and they're spent cartridges all right gotta do it again And they're showing up at the comedy store and there's no room at the end yeah wow
0: okay yeah because because of all the people that have now come up in taking their place but and it, it's always amazing to me because you look at like the comedy store instagram and it's almost every post of that of of that of that lineup will have someone go like because it'll, it'll have uh, you know sebastian joe rogan A- ali wong liza just all these big stars and then and then it'll have argus and some people will Comment like who's this Argus Hamilton guy, and then other people comment like, "No, you have to go see." Oh, it. Like, that's nice, They'll yeah. fight with them, be like, "No, you yeah. have to How see Argus." It. Well, the
2: comedy store social media Maven Emma Lee is right here, and yep. she's responsible for getting so much of yeah, this going, you're crushing it. And she's a terrific young comic herself. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. from Canada, but she's the one that, that, that gets us out there, and and, and, and then it's, it's 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 then, you,
0: then you've seen it. You you you've seen or, the comments. Yeah. They're, they're they're like, who's this Argus guy going on before Rogan? Everyone's like, no, fucking show up early. Yeah, yeah. see
1: Argus, and but, this but, is why Rogan's here. But, but, and that's you your know, spot.
2: But 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 guys guys at, at yours and Adam's level, and mm-hmm. and all the way up to Rogan, you you, you younger Gen Xers, okay, mm-hmm. have really really this is your time. I mean, yeah. you, you guys, and this is a time you're going to be filling uh, theaters, and. Uh, and, and I just advise all of you do not leave the comedy store <laughs> yeah. yeah I was going to say what do
1: you I mean obviously the comedy store has gone through and evolved in these like chapters of its um, existence but like in it's, it's, it's so incredible that you've gotten to be a part of it from all stages uh-huh. and I mean to me there's no better time than now but then but that only is to say after the time when you were there and it truly was in its origins I feel like that yeah, will like never, the there will no time will Kinson ever years, like compare to that crazy. Now, and, and you can argue that the talent now in, in its own right is comparable to the talent that started but it's like to me it's like none of it exists without that original group mm-hmm. and that time and what was happening and um how much of of That do you think about when you even just walk through the halls of the store now?
2: What what I think about when I walk through is, it it has a lot to do with the transitioning you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Because it it was so much more organized before the TV show Make Me Laugh started in 1978. This Mm -hmm. is so important for comedy fans to know. You can Google this stuff, but uh, there was a very strict hierarchy in stand-up comedy. You impress Mitzi or Bud, Mm-hmm. Friedman over at the Improv. Yep, mostly Mitzi though. Then Jim McCauley, the Tonight Show guy, greenlights you. Then Carson. And what you have to remember is the entire industry every mm-hmm. night, or at least Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, watch Johnny. Yeah. Okay. Every agent, manager, studio executive watched Johnny. Mm-hmm. And if you're a brand new comic and it, it's like a virgin coming out, getting off the bus in, in yeah. L.A. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, let's get her. Fresh right? <laughs> meat. Right. And yep. you go out on that stage and you kill that Tonight Show crowd, the whole town descends on you. Yeah. That morning, I wore a white suit on my first Tonight Show shot yeah. and just brought down the house and Johnny didn't just invite me over, he walked over and shook my hand and stood there and, uh, stood there with me and, and th- the crowd went nuts. Because that was a big deal if he came yeah, over was, to you yeah, or you went to him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that night uh, all my, my, my buddies at the comedy store, my peers like Mike Binder, Alan Steven, uh, Robin, uh, uh, Mitchell Walters, Biff mm. Maynard, Tim Thomerson. We all went over to Mitzi's house to, to celebrate. Okay. Yeah. and celebrate we did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And by six thirty in the morning, how'd seven, you celebrate? Seven. Yeah, <laughs> seven thirty in the morning. Yeah, uh, we're out of blow. <laughs> out of, of liquor. That means it's time to go home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> seven thirty in the morning. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, this is like before cell phones, so when people are getting a hold of you, it's no, no getting a hold of you. Yeah. So Mitzi's up on North Doheny. You know, a steep three blocks above Sunday Sunset above right. Gil, Turner's, Gil Turner's liquor store, and she's worn out. So I said, "I'll just walk home," you know, to West Hollywood. I'm sure. I'm halfway down the hill from Tower Records on Palm oh, yeah. above Santa Monica, below Sunset, and so I walk down Haney And when I get to Sunset, I turn left, and it's about eight in the morning. Mm-hmm. And with God as my witness, as I'm walking down Sunset in this white suit, people are honking their horns, like, Argus, you were great, you killed it last night. Oh, the, oh man, you honk, oh, I felt like a Roman general coming into Rome on a chariot, you know, with yeah. nobody telling me you're mortal. You know, right. you know what I mean? And it was the most incredible experience, one of the most incredible experiences of my life, everybody honking. And I never forgot that everybody watched Johnny, because these were all agents and managers coming to work on the Strip. At the yeah. 9,000 yeah the building and yeah. stuff and so That's that was crazy. the hierarchy then yeah. then make me laugh is there and what make me laugh does is it destroys it's syndicated on metro media so it's on against the local abc nbc cbs newscasts mm-hmm. all right in every market Okay, and it kicks everybody's ass. Yeah, because it's okay?
0: news or laughing. <laughs>
2: yes, <laughs> I'm standing up, and you're the you're the contestant. Okay. Yeah. And there's a great studio audience here, yeah. and I'm standing here, and I'm telling you jokes, trying to make you laugh, mm-hmm. secretly hoping you don't, because right. the crowd's going nuts, and the camera's on me. Right. right. And so, w- this goes on for thirty minutes a night, and it becomes hugely successful. What happens? Every Every city in America decides it can have a comedy club. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. All right. And all of a sudden, the comedy clubs uh, mushroom, the number of comedians mushrooms. Sure. Another unintended effect is that it starts uh, offering us comedians five to $10,000 a week door money in 1980, 79, 80, That's like $50,000 a when week. When rent now. was 200 a month, the phone bill was $10 a month, and. Uh, gas was 60 cents a gallon yeah you're rich yeah so, exactly yeah you've got $18, and dollars tri- you can spare. hire people to drive down the street and honk <laughs> at you and scream at you a great last night and it's and that was just the hookers yeah <laughs> they were everywhere yeah because <laughs> hollywood west hollywood incorporated in 83 and there went the hookers yeah <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah there yeah. were the hookers i think i saw that on broadway yeah yeah yeah. 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 there's an aids epidemic yeah. Yeah. come on don't <laughs> give me it's all a bad man all right and so that but but that was a trap. Okay. Right. First of all, it produced all these comedians, mm-hmm. but it lured a lot of LA headliners onto the road, yep. where where they met the waitress, got married, oh man, started having kids, and that was and, that. And the town forgot about them.
0: The law of unintended
2: consequences. The, the town forgot about them because they were making so much money on the road. Yeah. And then, it, it, two three years later, what happens? Well, a second comedy club pops up, and a third in each market. Mm-hmm. Pretty soon, they're in paper wars. Yep. And the amount of income goes down. These guys are stranded out there on the road. Because now they're the getting free tickets. The baby in the late 80s yep. stopped. They, they finally settled down by 1990. They stopped going out. And they, they go to their our homes and their churches and their real lives, leaving clubs to the uh, to the mercy of this little Gen X generation you have that was only 35 million people Mm -hmm. and there was a 10 year depression in the club business because all you guys did was uh, go to uh, uh, Viper rooms and (laughs) and die in the parking lot yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Sorry we were such buzzkills. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the
0: days. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, it, it's so it's so amazing wow. that you can track it like that. Like yeah. a yeah. scientific – like you just and, go like, and that's where that happened, that, that's where that happened.
2: At, at, but at this time in the 90s, Mitzi's, Mitzi's hanging tough. She's hanging tough, and she's taking mortgage after mortgage on her house up on North Doheny to keep the comedy store going. No yeah. way. Yeah. Then the catastrophe hits her, and – she, she, her, her physical condition starts deteriorating when she finds mm-hmm. out she has Parkinson's and the Parkinson's takes a few years to devolve into Alzheimer's yeah. and and you know it, it gets pretty bad there for a while but but luckily around around 2004 2005 the millennials turn 21 and yep. they start streaming in they start streaming in mm-hmm. and it's like blood returns to the body <laughs> and then in uh in two thousand thirteen young Brenton Biddlecombe comes to the comedy store yep. who knows how to use social media. Yep. <laughs> and we That's have, a good Brenton impression. Uh, yeah. I <laughs> mean we have we have uh young comedians like uh, like uh, Sarah Mostajabi is willing to go down the line Mm -hmm. on Saturday nights and get every customer's email address yeah okay remember that yes Mm -hmm. and email and and suddenly we start compiling this list and we start putting together websites and before we know it these these millennials they're just too spoiled to stand in line wondering if they're going to get in the show Mm -hmm. so they start buying up all the tickets before the show even starts yeah yeah and now we're sold out thanks to that Thanks to Millennial. How much, do you
1: remember those conversations with Mitzi? I'm so curious about like that time when, I mean, you you kind of brushed over, but it's like, to have her take her mortgage from, like to the extent that I don't think people realize that she was, Going through to keep the store alive, and what she was going through, like, and you were very mm-hmm. close with her, so like, you know, what do you remember moments yeah, yeah, where yeah. she was like, I might have to sell, or I might, or just having this uh, maybe a, a, an understanding at some point of like, I guess, man, like, get in your last few sets because things, I don't know no. if we can keep. Th-
2: think, think of think of her ex husband Sammy mm-hmm. going on stage with Paulie until like weeks before he died at the age of ninety two, ninety three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. To to Mitzi the comedy store. because she was an art major at the University of Wisconsin when she met Sammy at the Wisconsin Dells in 52 and she was always an artist at heart and to her that lineup was her work of art every night that was her gift to the public, yeah. and she very carefully scheduled everybody in order of just the way she wanted that show to right. shape and bend.
0: She had okay. ways, she had ebbs and flows, she yeah. had okay, this is, yeah. you know, the, 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 this comic going here is going to help this comic, and then the, the, this one's dry, so the show goes
1: down, mm-hmm. so we put this comic, it, it was... Like Jay would follow Robin, is that correct? I, I can't remember, somebody spoke to having to follow Robin, and the, or prior, maybe Leno had to... Well, well,
2: see, Robin, Robin, from an early time on, from 1978, 79, Robin was a dropping Mm. so whoever followed robin just had to follow him wow he was a drop in because he <laughs> could you couldn't schedule him or yeah or, or it would be unfair to the either i never understood why he wouldn't allow himself to be scheduled because it would have helped mitzi it really would yeah richard allowed himself to be scheduled sure but um but the point is is that i just wanted to add is yeah. that there were a lot of more musical comedy acts back in that era sure mm-hmm. Because in that era, everybody knew the same songs, everybody knew the same commercials, and the same parodies sure. that were, it erupted like vile mushrooms. <laughs> song and you, oh, it, you just the murdered jo- the crowd with a simple the step. The joke writer, hardworking, <laughs> yeah,
1: seed yeah. oh yeah. yeah. We hate
0: like, <laughs> oh. and it, it, it's so funny because I like we're all friends with guitar comics. Yeah. It's fine. There, it, it, it it's a talent in itself. Sure. But there, but there's a part of us that goes, "You son of a
2: bitch." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got music somebody lyrics, yeah, Somebody yeah, else's lyrics, somebody else's song. Yeah. Yeah. I get all the glory, look at my big schlong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And see, They got a laugh. Yeah, got a big laugh. I actually want to close with that now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> we always I'm do. sorry about the big laugh it yeah. just got. Um, Wait, so, so she never, yeah. uh, I mean, her pride with the lineup. She would sprinkle in lineups, the, the
2: musical acts just, just, just so. Okay. You mm-hmm. know, for the break you were talking about. But right. she,
1: but, but you know to speak to her just uh the the conviction that she had as far as like there was no plan b for the store not working yeah. No, no, she all. just was like when it was in hard times uh, i mean did you ever see a look in her eye that was just like or was it just, was it just always like all right we just need to figure another way to keep well, this going
2: the hard times are a bit exaggerated now because uh you know the, the friday night and saturday night she just had a nine o'clock show friday and nine o'clock main room and those shows were full Mm-hmm. they were full sure. and it, the hard times are perceived to be a, it might be a, a an off tourist night or something there might be 20 or 30 people in the original room that and people remember that now as five or six you know <laughs> but 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 she was struggling yeah. she was struggling and she, her consciousness went just about up to 2007 and 8 and mm-hmm. i talked her into uh, co- into uh cooperating with both William Needle I'm dying up here.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: And Richard Zoglin, who the Time magazine writer who wrote the other book about yeah. the comedy store. Yeah. And she made it through those lengthy interviews for really good biographies of the comedy store if anybody wants to, so to enjoy them. Oh yeah, but yeah. the but the one person I haven't mentioned that I'd feel like I screwed up if I didn't was Richard Yeah. yeah. Richard Pryor what people cannot cannot fathom right now. I don't know if there's a star, just a period of a star, not just comedy star, on the level of Richard Pryor with the yeah. baby boom. Yeah. Every generation of, of comedy fans has its naughty uncle. <laughs> okay. Richard Pryor was was ten to twelve to fourteen years older than baby boomers, okay? Yeah. But he was our Pied Piper. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when when he would fade rodney dangerfield would take his place as our naughty uncle okay? mm-hmm. i'm trying to be the naughty uncle to the to the yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty good at yeah, it yeah you're very yeah. good yeah because yeah. <laughs> I, I i tell him just how to have enough fun all the fun you can have just before rehab yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? but anyway but i noticed that and and richard uh he, he had some film success signed a 40 million dollar deal with Columbia for, for like five movies. Yeah. And uh, just before his, uh, his accident in 1980. And you can't imagine the excitement on the Sunset Strip when he would decide to put together his next album. Oh. And what would happen is Mitzi would have a regular show from 8 o'clock to 10, yeah. then empty the room. Yeah. And there would be a line outside. This is the original room. Okay. Coming into the original room. And Johnny Witherspoon, yep. Letterman's good buddy, mm-hmm. godfather to his son was the head doorman along with Harris Pete, and they would make hundreds of dollars a night with the best seats, seating oh, people yeah, yeah, for Richard. Yeah. Oh, wow. And Richard, the thing for comedians to understand is that Richard would stand up there, refuse to do any old material, yeah. wow. and would just build, just build every single night uh, while somebody was tape recording him, and he would just, like a jokesmith, wordsmith, and he would turn each thought into a story, and he would he reminded me of so much of Samuel Clemens. I tried to get him to name his last album "Dark Twain." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Samuel Clemens is Mark yeah. Twain's real name. For yeah. those who don't know. Yeah, and uh, and then uh, one night I was, I'm up at Mitzi's, and uh, we got a call. The, the, the Richard was at uh, at the hospital in Reseda. Mm-hmm. and uh, and and we we. He's motored over there real fast, and Jim Brown beat us there, and it was the three of well, us. Well, he's the and football player. He's the greatest yeah. running back of all time. I would yeah. hope he would beat you there. Yeah. <laughs> and giving Richard the worst possible advice, you know. <laughs> what you gonna do? What you gonna do? What do you mean what you gonna do? You're gonna go to Betty Ford and get yeah and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but But uh, it would be a while before Richard decided to, to go to treatment, and by then, mm-hmm. he was starting to have physical problems himself. Yeah. Damn, man. But there, no one commanded and, and just absolutely had a superstar status well in that- i was gonna say because we've
1: got some crushes now but you still just nobody it was a different time but i mean you just, just it
2: was the way you looked at him it yeah yeah way, because he he had he had his he was denied the lead role in uh, in uh, blazing saddles because he was right. considered unreliable because same reason I was. Right. right. But this is nineteen seventy-three, seventy-four unreliable. Sure. Okay? sure. So Mel Brooks put him to work on the writing staff yeah. to put it together. And he was one of the writers, and they would keep a shoebox full of cocaine on the big conference table and just write these jokes all day that you still laugh at. Wow. Okay. And but but Pryor came out of that with his great breakout album, mm-hmm. That Nigger's Crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah every by the way that's th- the name of the
0: album people yeah, yeah. yeah, that mean, that <laughs> yeah. so Argus is saying it but yeah. it's the name of the, it's name of the album I don't like yeah, I don't Richard know how it's to do and his it.
2: mentor Paul Mooney were my yeah. mentors yeah and, wow and they would they would deploy the N word like a stiletto every night <sighs> on us. St- they were just brilliant perfect it. with it just yeah. perfect with it and uh You you can't say Richard without Paul Mooney. Oh yeah, because Richard had cracked up on stage in 1971 in Las Vegas, Mm -hmm. doing cute little impressions, kind of like Jim Carrey would. It would happen to him 12 years later. Yeah, cute little impressions that he just hated doing. Yeah, but he wanted to be. But they would kill
0: every night. so he he
2: he felt a need to do it. 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 Yeah, and and so he cracked up on in Vegas. Came back to Hollywood. Paul Mooney got a hold of him, mm-hmm. and they, and they. Thank goodness to Red Fox, they started writing scripts for Red Fox, mm-hmm. and Richard started getting his feet on, got yeah. up at the comedy store, and started being himself. Yeah, same thing would happen to Jim Carrey fifteen years later. Yeah, yeah I was
1: going to say what that was same thing, huh? Exact Just, same thing. When yeah. did that turn for him happen? Just he was doing impressions, and finally one yeah, day, yeah,
2: he got well. Uh, Jim Carrey was doing all these cute, really brilliant little impressions, one right sure. after the other, but you know as. As, as boxed in as as a Stephen Wright routine, just sure. boxed in,
0: totally. Yeah, he in couldn't
2: that character. He couldn't express himself. He couldn't no. do. He, he couldn't do anything off script. No. And he got tired of it. And yep. one night he's up at at Crest Hill, the, the house where I lived in, right above the comedy store that came with the purchase of the comedy store for mm-hmm. Mitzi. So she turned it into a place where the comedians could mm-hmm. live. And um, and Andrew Dice Clay and Yakov Smirnoff and I lived up there. But the guys would all come up and party, and um, after I'd gotten sober, it was still used for that, and Sam Kennison was up with his crew and Jim Carrey partying one night, and it was Kennison, Kennison who turned Carrey around. He said, wow. you're hilarious. What the hell are you doing your cute little impressions for? Be yourself, be this guy, be this guy.
1: Because he was funny offstage, oh, huh?
2: He, yeah, he was brilliant, Yeah, just brilliant. Yeah. And, uh, and, and why do you want to be somebody else when you can strike it rich as you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so, so Jim went to Mitzi. We went to Mitzi, and Mitzi said, "I agree with Sam." She said, "Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you up every night at 11:45, right next to Damon Wayne's. Jeez, get it? You see it coming? Killer, yeah, killer. After about six months, they become great friends. Jim's his breakout act, and Damon uses Jim as the designated white boy on Living Color, wow. and the career is born. Wow, wow. And, and that, that and that's shit. The art—that's ar- the architect that Mitzi was. Exactly. Now, why did she want him to follow Damon? She, because she, uh, Damon, uh, she really, she so respected Damon as an artist, and she could see Damon backing him up, no matter how much he struggled breaking out, she knew that Damon would get the crowd back. Yeah. Damon, oh, so Damon followed Jim. Damon okay. followed Jim. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And because Damon had a murderous act. Yeah. But he loved experimenting and going deeper and deeper and deeper, yeah. uh, particularly with his, uh, his, his leg thing.
1: Wow <laughs> Do you remember that turn when uh, when Jim did finally I mean after living color, did you kind of were you sitting there like you know get, having a, a front row seat to it being
2: like, all right, well, I knew this was going to happen I, I saw I saw him feeling his oats uh, from it, and he went out on stage after living color and he, and and he, you know the line still has to be linearly funny, right mm-hmm. but not not if you're feeling your oats,
1: yeah, yeah so
2: Jim. Kerry walks out on stage, it jam-packed out, a huge round of applause, sure. and he says, yeah, yeah, you're great. you know. On the way here, I stopped by 7-Eleven. You know, homeless guy asked me for a dollar. I said, sorry, <laughs> you know, I got nothing less than a 20. Oh, and didn't. I walked on, and the crowd went, Oh, oh. And I told that to Mitzi, she says, that's hysterical! Yeah. <laughs> that's funny, uh, yeah. that's funny! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, no. Hey Brad, how you doing today? Well, I'm doing fantastic, Adam. Well, I want to tell you, I don't think as friends that we talk enough about how we keep our balls. We really don't. And I think it's really unfortunate. And I think at this point in our relationship,
0: we should be talking about how we keep our balls. Yeah. And I'll tell you what. Back in the day, manscaping... Oh, it was horrible! Dude, rough, literally, you, had, you bought you you either used your own razor yeah. that you use on your face, or your stepdad's. Uh Yeah, you, you, maybe you stole your girlfriend's razor Gross. and used them, and maybe got to make up a lie to tell her you didn't use it on your balls. Right? And you all these things aren't designed for your balls, Adam. They nick, they cut,
1: they hurt. It doesn't <laughs> feel good. Well, thankfully, Brad Manscaped has the answer. What are they? Well, they're the number one men's below-the-belt grooming uh, business. Manscaped offers uh, precision-engineered tools for manscaping your balls with the right tool for the job. Now, a lot of people think that uh, you know, using razors or the same trimmer you use for your face is the way to go. And Manscaped is here to tell you that this is not the move, okay? Um, there's so many times that we've nicked and knacked our ball sacks, like you mentioned, and uh, and it's just those days have got to be over. Manscaped, what they do, they offer amazing products like the perfect package 2.0 kit that features the lawnmower 2.0 with skin safe technology. What is the lawnmower 2.0? Oh, let me tell you about yeah. this thing, Adam. I have used this thing.
0: It is wonderful. Imagine shaving your balls with no fear of mm. the nicks and cuts. You yes. get as close as you want. The law the lawnmower 2.0. This trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts, and it's also 100% waterproof. That's so great. guess what? Do it in the
1: shower because yeah, you don't want to get electrocuted trimming your balls in the shower. <laughs> That's a terrible way to go.
0: Oh, here lies Brad Williams. How'd he die? Electrocution <laughs> while shaving is nuts. What were his
1: last words? <laughs> ow, my balls.
0: Ow, my balls. <laughs> I don't want ow, my balls to be my last words. Yeah. And they, and they won't be with all these great products. And Manscaped, if you get the Perfect Package 2.0 kit, you even get a, a shaving mat. So if you're not doing it in the wow. shower, you lay it down. You don't get your towels dirty. You, you know those towels that you use to yeah. dry, dry your face? Yeah. Now you're not getting a face full of pubes because yes. you used a manscaped mat. And let and let me tell you, the entire Perfect Package 2.0 kit also comes with ball deodorant mm. and a ball spritzing spray. What? Maybe you're just going in and out. You, you don't have yeah. time to do the full thing. Get the spritz spray. You, you you spritz it on. It's water. It's aloe. It's wonderful. It's like a vacation for your balls.
1: Because <laughs> who said your balls don't want to be spritzed? Maybe Oprah, but look, <laughs> she doesn't know what she's talking about. She may have good soups and good, good and good specials, but she doesn't know about balls. But Mainscape does. Get 20% off the Perfect Package 2.0 kit. Uh, free shipping and a free travel bag with the code ALN at manscaped.com again that's promo code ALN at manscaped.com to get 20% off the perfect package 2.0 kit, free shipping and a free travel bag again with that promo code ALN at manscaped.com get precision tools for your family jewels at manscaped.com using the promo code ALN Brad, something in this room smells good and it's not your face
0: it's my balls Adam
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh I I've
0: got to know cuz were you around when the uh strike happened? I I caused the strike. You caused the strike. you're well, talking to the right guy. There we go. Now uh Summer the, of 78. Summer of 78. Now for now for those unfamiliar or maybe you didn't like or maybe you watched I'm dying up here and thought, "Oh, that strike angle was pretty funny." No, that was
2: that no. happened. <laughs> no, here's what happened. Okay. Okay. Shall we hug that mic a little bit more, too? And just, yeah. bring, just bring it's, it up to you, yeah. Okay, Mitzi purchased the entire comedy store in July of 76. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Richard, thanks to Jimmy Walker. She was able to get this uh, balloon loan from my God knows who. But uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. she got the, she bought the famous Ciro's Nightclub building with right all yeah. three showrooms in it. All the time up till now, she had just simply leased the original room from the Leesor, who was a great LA disc jockey from the Ricky Nelson late 50s era named Art LeBeau. Okay. Art LeBeau had the main room. Gotcha. Okay. okay. But Art still leased it from the owner. Mitzi bought the building out from under Art LeBeau from the owner mm-hmm. and tried to have LeBeau evicted. LeBeau still had his lease. He had Mitzi evicted from the original room for three months until she bought him out for uh, $50,000 cash. Wow! And for, for three long months in the fall of '76, the entire comedy store was at Westwood, and everybody just had ten-minute sets. Okay. Yeah. Oh my God. So, and so when Mitzi gets the, gets when Mitzi gets the entire building back, what happens is she ha- redecorates. She hires this crooked paint salesman <laughs> at a paint store for if he'll if he'll give her a big discount on the paint. She's going to redecorate the main room. Mm -hmm. She'll make him assistant manager of the comedy (laughs) studio. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah, and the cook goes along with it. I know exactly what's going on because I'm not only the doorman and MC at Westwood, I'm Mitzi's runner during the day. Yeah, Yeah. I'm having to go all around town picking up all this paint and paintbrushes and all this material in Mitzi's little 1975 Pinto, okay, Mm -hmm. using Mitzi's driver's license (laughs) and checks to buy this stuff. Yeah, And and, then they... And the funny thing is all the all the uh, vendors knew mitzi yeah but she scratched out with her pencil the year she was born because it's none of their business <laughs> <laughs> <Robert's locker>. okay <laughs> so i uh, buy all this stuff and she redecorated this 400 seat main room mm-hmm. so that her peers yeah would have a room to play in los angeles mm-hmm. mitzi as, as Sammy Shore's wife in the 1950s and 60s, was he was in a great pledge class of comics, too. Oh, yeah. Don Rickles, Shecky Green, Buddy Hackett, that yeah. whole group God. of great comics. Right. And she wanted them to perform in the main room. Uh, Shelly uh, Berman and, uh, of course, uh, Dick Gregory, all these, these mm-hmm. giants.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: None of their agents would allow them to play the main room. Mm-hmm. Why? No money. No. It, it would hurt their Vegas draw. Oh, they were wow. all tied to these big, rich contracts to the ballets and Caesars. And if, if people in L.A. could see you at the, the comedy store, why would they drive to Vegas and, 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 and right. not gamble? Shit, right. Okay? So they, they didn't dare go in. Yeah. And they didn't hit Mitzi till they all refused her. So what was her uh, game plan? So then? so yeah. whatever. Well, she would try this and that. And Tiny Tim, who you don't even know, but it was a... oh b- from the Tonight Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We tried him. He drew six customers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. And he was huge on the Tonight 45 Show. Forty-five million viewers on the Tonight yeah. Show when he married Miss Vicky. Yeah, the most. Yeah, the, one of the, the highest-rated moments in television history was his wedding. Yeah, his wedding on yeah. the Tonight Show. Well, by seventy-six interest had waned <laughs> uh, well i mean he didn't really have much for now but anyway, he was oh. trying a little novelty thing she was able to get dick gregory though okay and it it's was a great gate. thing because he would not allow alcohol to be served so that all these black families could come up from south central la and bring their children to oh, see the great wow. dick gregory and wow that was an experience but there was only there weren't that many times you could do that yeah so what she did was she's sitting up in the main room booth all alone with me and biff maynard about two thirty in the morning in the summer of 78 mm-hmm. and she's crying because she can't do anything about the main room yeah and and i say Mitzi, you've got i'm i'm running westwood now I'm, I'm the host over there we're sending 150 people a night on friday and saturday over to the improv because yeah. we're full yeah okay why don't you put your comics in this main room mm-hmm. why not yeah and she said well that would make this a professional nightclub I said well you wouldn't make it for Nick Rickles and everybody else she's no, but this is part of the graduated t- system of da-da-da-da-da. because she didn't pay it was a right. showcase club that you used to showcase for the industry right, right. back then everybody showcased for the industry because you weren't getting paid at the Comedy Store so you got on TV pronto just yeah. to survive okay so that was the, it was co- co- comedy store was more of a college then yeah an artist colony well uh, Mitzi, um, finally after Biff Maynard, uh, browbeater into trying it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm and she said, Argus, what's the reason against it? I, I gave Mitzi's line of uh, of defense the comedy store is an artist colony, and yep. it's not for, uh, for paid people, it's you're to grow here, not to be paid here. I don't want to be a nightclub. I said, Mitzi, times have changed. You know, It's a nightclub now. Mm-hmm. We've got a whole generation of people pouring in, and you've got a room here that Letterman, Leno, Gallagher, Skip Stevenson, Elaine Boozler, Marshall Warfield, Paul Mooney yep. can pack this place while we're all packing the other rooms, trust mm-hmm. me. And so she devises a plan of six shows for $25 and tries to sell ticket packages and stuff, and it just it, it doesn't quite work. And uh, she schedules a show for free in there, and Tom Dreesen and, uh, gets together with the 25 comics and, and, and meets with Mitzi and says, look, let's figure out a way to, to get paid in here. And, mm-hmm. and she balked at first, and they negotiated back and forth, but Tom made what I thought was a mistake at the time of, of bringing in 200 comedians to the meetings instead of just the 20, 25 main room comedians okay. that would have played the main room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Mitzi finally settled with the 25, and they were celebrating it at, at Cantor's Deli. <laughs> and they, we did it. We, we're going sure. we're to we're have a place. It, you can go from Westwood to Sunset to the main room, and, you know, a lot of us won't even have to do the road. We're going to do so well with yeah. the main room. Yeah, yeah. And Marshall Warfield and Brad Sanders come up to uh and in, in uh, uh, Cantor's and said, what about us? What about the rest of us? hmm and, and Tom said, "What do you mean?" He said, well, we were all at the meeting with you. weren't you How about us at Westwood yeah and, at, at, and in the original room? And I believe, as it says in the book, I believe at that time that Dreesen realized he'd recruited an army to do the work of a platoon. Mm. Accidentally,
0: yeah, 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 everybody
2: just wanted in on it,
0: right? And, and then he and, thought, "Oh, this will be a sledgehammer of force," not realizing, yeah. "Oh shit!"
2: And then they they completely underestimated Mitzi because they thought they could they could just bully her into it. Yeah, and she said, "Absolutely not." The, the Westwood, in the original room is going to be for an artist colony, graduated system of development. Mm-hmm. So they called a strike, and for five of the longest weeks of my life, mm. yeah, you know, my friends, one hundred and fifty of them, picketed the comedy store while about 10 of us played the walk through the picket line and played every night. So you crossed the picket line. Oh yeah, I, I know. I was out on the picket line talking customers into coming through. Wow, were because, comics getting mad at you as you're doing? No, it? no, they realized I'm not from. I'm not from working class anyway. My allegiances weren't with union anyway. Okay, my, my dad told me. You remember your family fought and died for the queen. <laughs> you do the same. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hey, there you go. And, yeah. and was so, the queen for sure. That, that's the Hamilton line coming. I was the royalist out there. <laughs> yeah. The masses. So, but, 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 Dreesen and all the rest of them said that as. as the book says in uh i'm dying up here he says argus hamilton was always a gentleman and i I was i said these guys are my friends but we we got a great show tonight and a lot of people you know anti-union people would drive into the comedy store just to walk through the picket line and watch the show no way and the show would consist of me and alan bersky lois bromfield yakov smirnoff uh mike binder biff Maynard. um, I'm no I'm, I'm still a great David, show David Tyree yeah. my god oh, yeah David. Ty- oh, and my god. Uh, so funny. yeah we'd kill the crowd and have a great time yeah. But but two weeks into the strike mm-hmm. I had an idea and I went next door to the Hyatt house and met with the uh with the head of the strike guy that would eventually be the co-owner of the improv Mark Lano and mm-hmm. we sat in the mezzanine at the uh, Hyatt house and we worked out a deal where the comics would get paid $25 a set in the original room Fifteen at Westwood, and get half the door in uh, the main room. Mm-hmm. We agreed on that. I took back. I said, Mitzi, this is the deal, and it's, it's going to work. We finally got it, and it's only taken two weeks. Yeah. She said, All right, let's do it, and we'll just we'll just get through this one more night. And Alan, Stephen, and her walked down into the. Uh, he was another one. He was great. Oh, yeah. He, Alan would sit sat by the window with Mitzi as the, as the strikers were going by, and all of a sudden they broke into song and and what were they singing and they were singing the tonight show theme (laughs) it so happened that david letterman was guest hosting for the first night of his career at the tonight show that night and his truck was pulling in up the hyatt ramp and they were wondering who which side he was going to take yeah because in 1974 letterman was discouraged and was about to drive back to indianapolis and mitzi talked him out of it wow what did she and say? He, do you know? Uh, this, you've got it. You've got it. Yeah. You, you have to stay here. You're the next Carson. Mm-hmm. Don't you give up. You oh, know? Can you imagine? She said this in 74. So because of her, he stayed. <laughs> oh, uh, 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 All right? You're and welcome, everybody. Because of her. And so he pulls up the ramp and parks, and everybody wonders, what's he going to do? He walks down the ramp, and he joins the picketers. Mm-hmm. And Missy, sitting there with, with Alan, breaks down, completely crying. <laughs> completely loses it. All right? And of course, all Dave is doing is, his best friend is George Miller, who was one of the strike leaders, and and he would never go against George. He's just supporting his friend. Yeah, supporting his friend, and nobody, I didn't question anybody's motive. Yeah, And David was doing what he thought was right. But it destroyed Mitzi, and what that did, it made her angry, Mm -hmm. and she nixed that deal right away, and she says, I'm gonna outlast him. Wow. And so for three more long weeks, we went through this mm-hmm. and finally I, her, her attorney came in and we got everybody to finally got her to sign on to the same agreement mm-hmm. and it happened and there was there was peace there was peace for that day. By the way, still still well, st- still the deal to this day. Yeah, same deal. <laughs> <laughs> However,
0: just, yeah, for, for for those of you who see the packed houses at the comic store, going these comics are rolling though. Same deal, yeah. 1978. <laughs> same deal, no raises, yeah. nothing like that. We're not complaining, but I'm just but I'm just yeah. letting you know what 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 the life is. Yeah.
2: Well, that was it was a generous settlement uh, yeah. back yeah. then, and uh, the. And uh, especially back when rent was like I tell you two hundred a month, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, no, there were no phone bills. I mean, just, there was nothing. Yeah, yeah you could you pay. Did, you could and pay and your rent. So it gave us, it gave us what two grand a month to put up our nose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <the best>. yeah. <laughs> I mean, nobody had any money at the end of the month. It was yeah. the same deal. <laughs> I love how
0: Argus talks. You talk in like, all right, well, this is how much cocaine you can get for the salary. Like, you, like you don't get paid. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. it's enough for a car. It's enough to feed your family. This is how much blow you can yeah. get.
1: Yeah,
2: Well, the summers were the blow. We, we just. That there was something about us that we just hated sleep so <laughs> so but, but the, the final uh, DC Alfina to the story is mm-hmm. it, is that all of these open micers who joined the strike to show their support for yeah. the working comedians yeah. sure, sure. well they thought they well we're waiting for our time slots now mm. and this is going are you kidding me yeah and, a, and if one of them included a, a really talented writer who Mitzi had used sort of as a filler comic in the early 70s when she didn't have that many comics during the week named Steve Lebetkin oh yeah and Lebetkin called in for time slots for twice and didn't get any the first two yeah. Tuesdays when he called in and so Mitchell Walters is walking by the Hyatt house and he sees Steve Lebetkin going in they say hi and next thing you know Lebetkin jumps off the Hyatt house onto yeah. the uh, ramp and kills himself yep and and uh, and all of a sudden, it almost restarted the strike because his friend, Richard Lewis, was so angry about it. They were posting these meetings. How could Mitzi do this? Yeah. And it took the guy who wrote the book, mm-hmm. uh, I'm dying up here, William yeah did some research and found all these crazy letters that Lebekin had written his father and his family and yeah. posted them in a two-page story in the Sunday calendar section of the LA Times which everybody read every Sunday back sure then. sure sure and so everybody read the calendar section and uh, and it and, and laid it out that Lebedkin was disturbed and this thing wasn't Mitzi's fault for not yeah. giving him any time slots he wasn't getting right. any time slots before the strike
0: yeah yeah and, and, yeah because there was always a legend that he was trying to jump and actually land like in the comedy store but then couldn't make it because the because the jump is so far
2: that that's fair that's fair but i, I his 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 Widow slash girlfriend never said that, so I don't know yeah. who, would, who would know. Ah, That's probably some comics just but trying to start I, I, rumors. I, my, and stuff. my reaction was to have the Hyatt put a sign out saying, "Beware of falling comics." <laughs> <laughs> you <know? laughs> You're going up that ramp. That's the last thing yeah. on your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> Whose idea was it? Be a to- good, uh, you know, insurance car insurance commercial. <laughs> 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 so he oh, says- here comes mayhem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Whose idea was it to put the names on the wall? Because I feel like with every comedy club has its own prestigious elements, but nobody has what the store Mitzi, has. Who with else getting your name yeah mythic. Yeah, because it- <laughs> still today that is you. I mean, Braden and I can yeah. both attest. Oh, dude! I, I like- mean, it's literally. I mean, you know, I worked there doing the phones for five years, and the countless amount of. And everyone's journey is different. Some people waited for a little bit, popped in on some shows, yeah. got the right stars to align, got some cool credits, were a little further along. I mean, now we see the amount of comics that are coming through and getting past. Everyone's journey is different, so it means, but it, it, it means the same to everybody. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm curious how it was when those names first went on and what you, um, If you get uh, that same feeling for people when you see it happen now.
2: No, it's a much bigger deal now. Okay. Because we were spoiled snots then. (laughs) What took you so long to think of this? And and again, we were all two steps behind Mitzi. Yeah. Because she did this whole thing to help build up this new outdoor patio Mm -hmm. that she constructed that used to be a a parking spot just for her and one other person. Wow. And she built that thing, wanting it to be an outdoor place where the kids could – have a drink and enjoy themselves while waiting to go into the show wow
1: okay. and it's still and I mean it's, wow it's, that's amazing and it's
2: now one of the places to hang it out it is that's the spot you of just the even if you don't go in the show that you, patio everybody watch, goes by on Sunset Boulevard you're out there having a good time yeah. seeing the comics and you know yeah. great place for, for dates just to hang it's it a
0: nightclub without being a nightclub yeah. you, you can literally just hang at that bar and, and you just you think that's see the something,
2: world I saw something uh, two weeks ago uh, when um, uh mike binder got uh david letterman to do the upcoming showtime special on the comedy no way mike binder's got you know gonna have like eight eight specials amazing have you been uh, i'm sure you're oh yeah yeah yeah. all over that he interviewed everybody and because binder binder and i started the same year We, we ran together and uh there's this brand new patio on the roof have you seen it yeah you've seen it no it's unbelievable there's a there's a plank that goes out right near to where the the comedy store sign is yeah and then there's a wooden we'd say 12 foot by 12 foot patio with a couch on the roof on the roof yeah it's It's unbelievable unbelievable for us to hang out at I, know, I think right now it's just for interviews but but yeah. once you see it oh that's what they've been doing once interviews. you're going to see it you're going to think maybe there's a way to get from the belly room to that roof could, <gasps> holy you could, shit you could see it coming yeah, yeah there's so much space even great. all the way
1: up to Pauly's office I never until I worked the phones there didn't realize how big it is I swear every time I go in that building there's a new room that makes me go wait yeah. what yeah.
2: this is no. here and now you guys are, you guys both killed it on my show we oh got, yeah the artist I Hamilton's comedy so... store yes plug that Where comedy
0: store tonight YouTube yeah right on on, on YouTube and I want to stress you write a monologue for this like like this every week. This is a this is a Tonight Show caliber no. yeah. monologue. These, yeah. these are great jokes, and you have Tonight a, Show caliber guests. Yeah, yeah you, you I mean, guys I for instance. yeah, yeah. yeah oh, I, it. It. I mean, no, no, no,
2: you do. You both murder on it oh, because nice. you know there's a hot little crowd downstairs in the studio. Yes, which yeah. is great. About fifteen people, great acoustics, yep. great walls. Yes, we know a hot room when we see one. Oh in yeah, the
1: belly, and and you're doing it in the belly of the comedy store, which yeah. is just like, I mean, what is that like for you to be like doing
2: it, that? It only set me up for a great joke against Yakov cuz <laughs> i said uh, i said uh, uh, we're we're down here uh I said, I said, Yakov, yeah, yeah, welcome to the show. You know, it's it shot in the basement, just like the Romanovs were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, oh, he just fell over. Like, uh, uh,
0: always, you always got one. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's such a cool vibe, and I would, I would suggest people not only uh, watch it, uh, subscribe to it on YouTube, but also if you're in the Los Angeles area, like, like, like you say, there's a studio audience. Yeah, no, come stop on by, by, by.
2: On Tuesday, Tuesday night at eight o'clock. Tuesday night, uh, uh, eight o'clock. Download s- it. All week, yeah, uh, Argus you, Hamilton's comedy store tonight.
0: You just had uh, Kevin Nealon on, and uh, like so, yeah, we're getting you guys are getting great guests. It's a fun show, and uh, and it's a it's funny. B, if you have any questions about the the inner workings of the comedy store. Like, yeah, I'm your guy. You get it there, as you can tell from this podcast. workings
2: is a funnier line than you think. You <laughs>
1: <know>. <laughs> Wait, what, um, I do, before we close out. What was out,
2: Mitzi like in bed, Argus? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and? Yeah. Well, I mean, you brought <laughs> it the up. girls with big boobs, you can't beat it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was her power. Oh. She'd sit in the back of that halter top, and yeah. she was just like Oedipus with all her little uh, <laughs>
1: Love that. That is a... Uh, there's so much um, I want to know just two more things before we close out and thank you again for doing this because this is I mean you you know I don't know if you truly know your impact on comics and as much as you know you um, th- how prolific you are riding wise to still be coming uh, in night in and night out and and crushing and being so kind and the conversations that I've had with you in parking lots and pre and post show and your your quick uh, tips and advice and and observing and, and even though if you're you know in and out some nights you're still taking in so much and you're still you know living and breathing the store and yeah. are so much um, You know, it makes my night when I'm there and you're there and I get to bring you up, or, and I'll sit and watch. You know, it's like there's very. We all see so much. There's very few people that you. But it's truly incredible uh, the well, way let, that you are something. still operating.
2: You you guys are the kids and family I was too selfish to have. Okay, ah. so so that that's it's it's a double pleasure for me. Well, really. and and the
0: and my favorite part is just wa- watching you do your spot and watching the faces of the people in the audience who are there to see you know whomever and then just go who's this guy coming out in the suit. You know, and all the comics are wearing T-shirt and jeans. Who's this guy in a suit? And then just watching their faces, just smile and laugh and go, holy shit. There ain't no school like the old school.
1: Uh, Yeah, thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks for having
2: me on the show. You guys are great. Well, I do. uh,
1: Can we do something before we wrap up? Certainly. You got a few more minutes? Is that cool? I want to just kind of um, uh, throw out some names of people that have just come that you have started with that you got to see and Mm -hmm. uh, just get a few thoughts on on each of them and people that are uh, you know from the past and and the present and uh, and just a few well it's a few sentences or a few words or or whatever Mm -hmm. Um, Roseanne Barr,
2: Roseanne Barr, groundbreaking comedian and uh, no pun intended on that either. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> he doesn't she, stop people. <laughs> no. She she came in uh, at the perfect time of the woman's movement needed uh, yeah. a blue collar spokesman. Yeah. Spokesperson and she just blew the roof off. Ollie Joe Prater discovered her in Colorado and Phoned Mitzi about her. And, and then so uh, she came in to town with Felicia Michaels mm, yeah. and uh, showcased for Mitzi immediately. Mitzi had Jim McCauley come in. And the next thing you know, she was on The Tonight Show. The interesting thing about Roseanne, two things. is First of all, her husband, a Colorado hippie, was the one who wrote most of that first perfect feminist act of hers. Mm-hmm. He wrote it. Crazy. and she delivered it but he was the brains of the operation yeah okay and i mean he was smart and brilliant and a real feminist mm-hmm. second thing about roseanne i most admired is that about 10 12 years ago she did a hbo special in the main room mm-hmm. in september I remember that was always yeah. risky yeah, yeah yeah, because of the santa Ana breezes oh. and the santa anas came in that night and knocked out the air conditioning Oh, fuck. and she's got 400 people yeah. in there and it's blistering hot and yeah. we both know what hot rooms are for comedy oh it's, yeah it's death she's, she's in this sheer cotton thing she says she doesn't care and she got up there and she destroyed that crowd and they were, it was a hundred degrees in that room <laughs> and 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 that's that's guts like I've never seen before in my yeah. life
0: yeah yeah because yeah many other people would have canceled
2: uh Bill Burr Bill Burr had the privilege of working with him. I never saw him until I worked with him in La Jolla about four years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
2: said, "This is the next big one. This is the, this is the guy that has it." He uh, he's not only a brilliant thinker and a funny guy, but if you watch him closely, he uses his voice like a coronet player. Okay, hmm. and and you're not just listening to a joke; you're listening to a song yeah. being played the intonations, by intonations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and that's. That has a mesmerizing effect on the crowd, just like uh, an uh, an India uh, uh, flute player would have on a cobra.
0: Yeah, it's wow. same, yeah, I. <laughs> yeah, that's a brilliant way to depict. Yeah, that. I'd say that. Uh, I'd say like if y'all, if uh, other great examples of that would be uh, Louis Black, where he knows he knows when to ramp up. He knows yeah. like he, he he's going and he's just talking about politics, and then he's talking about the shit that yeah, pisses yeah. him yeah. off, yeah. and then he's it just a temp- r- timpani play. Yeah, 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 it just ramps up, and then. He could say almost anything and yeah. you would laugh just because his rhythm is so perfect.
2: I think he watched a lot of Sam Kennison who was, who was a... Who, oh
0: my God. Well, yeah. Was, well, yeah. there's another one. Yeah, Sam.
2: Sam. Sam would uh, Sam would just lullaby you with nice, sweet, funny stuff and then the subject would turn to women and then rage. And <laughs> oh, <laughs>
0: it would just be, oh, so you're going to get married? You're you? going <laughs> to have, the, you're gonna have a, the nice life? Or are you you're going to get Jesus, married. Or we talk about Jesus,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah. You coming back, Jesus? Sure I will. I'll be glad to. You know, as <laughs> yeah. you know, soon as I can no longer whistle between my hands <laughs>
0: uh, just before you get married i just want you to remember this face
1: ah! <laughs> oh
2: he was wonderful greatest god
1: uh gerard carmichael
2: gerard brilliant thinker and i i wish he had hung around the store longer yeah yeah because i opened for him on his hbo special you did in, yeah in 2013 mm-hmm and was still filmed at the store right yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and it was old, also just like roseanne uh, same time of year and the air conditioning went out oh, <laughs> god. and what's worse spike lee is directing it yeah. you can imagine the tension oh you know, god the, yeah. We, yeah but the crowd hung in there and he killed but gerard conmichael had the balls a three ball tomcat he stood up and he 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 he, st- he stood up and talked about the good side of slavery okay <laughs> And he talked about how if it hadn't been for slavery he said me and everybody a black person in this country would be back in Ghana right now <laughs> we owe these people yeah. <laughs> and he's got the guts to do that yeah. oh my god if i said that <laughs> yeah no. I, all, I, I always look at
0: guys that do topics like that and i just burr as a couple jokes like that where i'm going like holy sh-, like you're taking it from that perspective yeah, wow yeah. let's see how I, you let's see how you dig, dig out
2: of this yeah. hole and, and they find a way I, I get out of a hole with that uh, i've got a, i've got, a, I've got a great race line and I've, I just found a, a, a way to, to, to really pour milkshake on it mm-hmm. and that is uh, after I get away with it Sure, I say my name is Joe Biden and I approve this message yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know the line That's of br- oh yeah dude I, uh, that is brilliant so, so awesome keep going yeah. um, uh, Dave Chappelle Dave Chappelle, I'm not that familiar with. Okay, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I, I admire the way he. Have you? Me. Yeah, it just as far
1: as in the, uh, I mean, you know, because a lot of people compare, it, like for him, maybe being our
2: generations prior, more or less. You yeah, know, that's that's pretty much what yeah. everybody says. Yeah, I, I've I've never watched him. Oh, really? Never. Wow. You know, I don't watch comedy at home. I'm too busy working. Yeah, you are. But you I are. Hear, I hear Collins. it's fantastic. Because that's and, a uh, chat
1: with him on your show is something that I feel like it's the powers that be could well, facilitate.
2: Well, uh, Who is it that wrote, co-wrote or co- Neil that? Brennan. Oh, Neil. Neil Brennan. Neil's, Neil's is probably the smartest guy in stand-up. You
1: know, He's, I would not
0: uh, yeah. be quick to argue that. Yeah, yeah, I'd put him and Gerard for just these guys yeah. that are just constructing jokes where you're just yeah. like,
2: oh my God.
1: Yeah. Um, Brody Stevens.
2: Brody? I never saw him perform because he always went on last, but I had him on the show. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this guy gets away with murder. Okay. He stands on the stage and he'll talk about personal improvement and he'll talk about <laughs> beat his chest like Tarzan and, yeah. and inspire the crowd to be great and then pull a great punchline and then go back to his thinking, you know. <laughs> and and he would just hold your audience up there like the most interesting human being you ever saw in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And and the, I thought he was more of a mesmerizer than a, a pure stand-up.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: he he got people to love him so much it didn't matter.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah, That's a really great did. way to, to describe it. He truly did. I think there's, I mean, how much do you think being likable on stage matters? It,
2: here's a tip for you and every comic watching.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The crowd will love you just as much as you love it. Okay. Before I go on stage every night, I'm Episcopalian. I say, okay, Lord, please allow me to reflect your light, conduct your warmth, and radiate your joy to this audience, okay? Mm-hmm. Let me be the funniest man to hit this town in 43 years. <laughs> Let's go. And wow. I walk out there. And that, you know, the, your glory, not mine. And, and that's as sweet as I am all week, because I'm, I'm, I'm a regular, <laughs> you know I'm a regular guy. But you know when, when that uh, moment of truth is, everybody gets religious. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm like Jeffrey Epstein before the sin <laughs> 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 I'll Let's, be good from now on. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: From this point on, yeah. okay. I'll be good. They're, they're, they're no like, well, more, well, from now Oh, yeah. oh
2: Lord, give me celibacy starting tomorrow. <laughs>
1: uh, two more, yeah. Uh, Adam Eaget.
2: Adam, wow, he uh, the
1: now Booker he, he of inherited, the Store. Yeah, he, the mm-hmm. Booker of the
2: Comedy Store. He was assistant manager in uh, 2013 when we lost uh, our our Booker Tommy to. Uh, so, some administrative problems. Sure. and uh, The
0: problem being no one was going to the club.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I mean. Adam was thrust into this yeah. and didn't want it. Didn't want it. And no I encouraged him to stick with it and stick with it and stick with it. And Adam has developed into an uncanny Mitzi impersonator. I mean, he really schedules the lineups he builds like it. Mitzi would yeah. in the absence of all the music, okay? In yeah. the absence of all the music. He schedules it just like Mitzi would. And he picks the comics just like Mitzi would. Mitzi didn't care on on open mic night if 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 you were funny or if you were funny. All she cared about was your charisma. Do mm-hmm. you glow up there? Mm-hmm. That means you love the crowd. Do they love you? Yeah. And if you, if you had that glow, she'd say you're a regular. I'm sending you over to Westwood. You can develop that act. Okay. Adam has a different problem now because mm-hmm. of the success of the comedy store. Back in my day for a long time you did the comedy store so you could get on television right today you do television so you can get on at the comedy store <laughs> holy shit yeah
0: that and makes is, a lot of sense
2: and and, and adam uh, underscored that to me the other day or not maybe a month or two ago when he said uh, I I said I said it's so tough for these kids to break in now and uh, he said yeah he says, to become a regular at the comedy store now you almost have to not need it <laughs> And that's, that's pretty much it. So, yeah. wow. so, so when all the door people at the comedy store, our door guys, mm-hmm. you know, they're starting to break in and become regulars, yeah. I say no matter what you guys do, no matter what you do, you keep one shift a week. Yeah. You, know, you do not, because the world is full of very funny comics out there that aren't part of the comedy store. Mm-hmm. You guys don't, don't become regulars and go out and become road warriors. You stay at the comedy store because your career is going to depend on this place.
0: It really does. It really does, wow.
2: because it's if, if you like if you like riding in a Rolls Royce, you keep that one ship. Because there's, <laughs> there's a world of Chevys out there you can tool around. It.
1: Yeah, I definitely you know I stayed it's on the phones career after and I got passed for women. Yeah. a few more years because I just I knew I didn't want to. I mean, you know, I, I the spots were the spots, but I wanted to make sure I was around and as, and just just to soak up not only the sets but the conversations. I don't know. I'm sure you know you're uh, you know did a, a lot more of it probably when you know uh, we're starting out but like for us those late night parking lot conversations, yeah the hang is so important right yeah i mean do you yeah. see uh, i mean that and do you is that a part of maybe some advice you would tell a young comic absolutely to just,
2: stay at the store and you socialize that's how you learn
1: and stay up late even if yeah. it's not parting in the parking yeah. lot but you just to be around you around and and to yeah. get a chance to be in a conversation mm-hmm. with a with a rogan or a neil or a sebastian mm-hmm. to where you can talk comedy or talk shop mm-hmm. or or talk
2: life and just to get a little more comfortable in yeah. your skin and in that uh, environment i would add that every bit is importantly as you're doing that also form a pledge class of guys at your level okay yeah and you all grow together because trust me, ten years from now, you guys will get each other a lot more work than any agent will. I was just wow, yeah,
0: yeah, and th- yeah, and when you think about it, I mean, that's uh, like look at what's happening right now with with sort of and Gerard white, putting on Boom. Tiffany Haddish on his show, yeah. you know, yeah. and then and then and then when that happens, R- uh, Rogan and all the comics that are sort of developing from his.
2: Yeah, his, co- his, his, co- his
0: coaching tree. Yeah, yeah. You know what okay, I mean? Yeah. It's. It, it, his tree, it, it, that's good. Yeah, yeah. How do we crazy. get in that tree? Yeah. Is there any more space? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like. Check uh, me in.
2: Uh, Dean Del Rey is yeah. destroying. Yeah, and, and, yeah crazy and Rogan, story, right? Yeah. Is it Oh, Burr has him opening, doesn't
1: he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, what about, what about, what uh, about one uh, one? Uh, two more? Sebastian okay. Maniscalco.
2: Don't watch him enough. But right. I've seen him mesmerize a crowd as I'm walking yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I do my set, then I go yeah. to the car because I get worked at it.
0: The I'm man. always the man
1: talks in bits. Yeah, it's, it's he's on, You know, he's you know they say he's on yeah. the uh, you know one of the top grossing comedians and and a guy that truly you know was going back and forth from his hotel job to the store yeah. and just to you know piggyback on your point about how necessary the store. To not lose that. Did he use
2: uh, social media to to break through with all the Instagram? I mean, I
1: heard that a lot of uh, bits of his were posted on like these big Italian groups on Facebook. And not that this was what catapulted it, but yeah, yeah, he did use it in some fashion. A lot of bits from whether it was specials Mm -hmm. or Montreal showcases, but video clips that got circulated on these, Mm because that is a big part of his demo, you know? When
2: I think of him, I think of a guy about on the same level in age that I did see one night. That was uh, Theo Vaughn. Yeah. Okay. Now, Theo Vaughn is one charming guy up. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they love him. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I said, this guy's got it.
1: Oh. Yeah. Uh, last one, and uh, I think we all know Mitzi Shore. Yeah. Who? Mitzi? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how you. How you. Uh,
2: Mitzi, Mitzi is the most important person I ever met in my life. Most mm-hmm. important. She's the Ziegfeld of our generation. And uh, Flo Ziegfeld was the top of, of the vaudeville era in the 19 teens and 20s. And, and had Will Rogers as his headliner, along with uh, along with uh, W. C. Fields, Eddie Cantor, uh, uh, Mr. Bojangles, Bill Robinson, Fanny Bryce, That was Mitzi's mm-hmm. idol growing yep. up. Uh, Flo Ziegfeld was the top, and his theater would be the theater that David Letterman did at 42nd Street. That was the, became that theater, mm-hmm. and Mitzi was our generation's Ziegfeld. Uh, she was an artist she loved stand-up comic she was a leo to the absolute <laughs> bone okay mm-hmm. uh, she was a force of nature and up until about 1990 from about 76 to 90 she was 14 years she was the most powerful woman in show business yeah m- without a doubt
0: because she could, she can could make or break you yeah.
2: and she and and she purposely I think made this made a mistake similar to what I made when I turned down all the sitcoms. In 1981, uh, she she had very cleverly and smartly, when because she had the Z Channel in the late 70s, which was the first cable channel in Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. just played movies. Okay, she saw cable coming when HBO came on home box office. They yeah, it. and she had the first HBO comedy special, Chevy Chase and Friends, at the Comedy Store. Okay, <sighs> she got the idea. She said, "I'm going to uh, copyright the name Comedy Channel." just like a mm. comedy store, you know? She copyrighted Comedy Store, but she let them steal it in London because she knew it was free advertising for it. <laughs> but anyway, she copyrighted Comedy Channel. Mm-hmm. And in 1981, sure enough, HBO comes calling. They fly her to New Orleans at the cable convention, and they offer her three specials a year, 500,000 cash, a sitcom, and name your project every single year if they can have wow. the phrase Comedy Channel. Wow! And she says, "No, I think in a few years I'll be developing my own sitcoms. I'm going to keep it." And I said, "Okay, Mitzi, are you sure?" And and Mitzi, I'm I'm in New Orleans with her and uh, and uh, Lou Deck and, uh, and mm-hmm. doing the archives for her yeah. and and her attorney Neil, and I said, "Mitzi, this is this is a big deal. This this you know this is a big deal. Yeah. This puts us all in play. You know, network. Right. We can go around network this way. We don't have to go through." You know the Tonight Show. We don't have to go through these wow. stupid NBC vice presidents. Yeah. We, we can do our own. And comedy. then she and then she's executive producing and all of it. She says, "I don't want the store to become a video whorehouse." <laughs> and and HBO says, Michael Fuchs says, "Okay, we'll just call it uh, Comedy Central." <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> they say is history. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What's the best piece of advice she ever gave you?
2: Best. Uh,
1: or that you heard her give?
2: Best advice she gave me was when she ordered Ollie Joe Prater and Alan Steven to drive me to the Betty Ford Center. <laughs> uh, November 3rd, 1986.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. pretty damn good advice. Uh,
2: and, and, uh, and Alan and, and Ollie Joe, uh, we went in Alan's Jewish Jeep because it's the only Jeep in L.A. with air conditioning. <laughs> we call it his Jewish Jeep. And we get to Palm Springs. We decide to go downtown and just have one last little party in my honor at, sure. uh, at Tony Roma's. And we get <laughs> smashed at Tony Roma's, ribs and b- shooters and everything. Yeah. And we get out to posh Rancho Mirage, you know, the, the, the richest suburb in in America mm-hmm. per capita. I mean, just unbelievable. Yeah, I think Bob
0: Hope used to live there. Yeah, yeah, yeah Bob yeah. Hope Boulevard. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah,
2: And it's where it's where the uh, Betty Ford Center is. Mm-hmm. And we we go 20 miles east in Coachella Valley to uh, Rancho Mirage in the Jeep, and I say, guys, you know, let's let's go to 7-Eleven and get one more six pack before I go. <laughs> and and they say, okay, that's for you. And so they drive around and we drive around and for 45 minutes we can't find a 7-Eleven. And, and Alan and Ollie Joe, I can't understand why they're so agitated. They say, we just got to get rid of you, Art. We got to drop you <laughs> off. So they they drive up into the Betty Ford Center. And they and Alan and Ollie, they can't wait to they, they get my luggage. They walk in. They walk in ahead of me. Yeah. The admission nurse looks at them and says, "Two." <laughs> 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 and then Alan Stevens says, "No, wait till you see what's in the car." Yeah. <laughs> and the way Alan tells it, he says, "I get out of the car, come walking in. He says, in a in a suit, I look just like Jack Kennedy yeah. coming <laughs> in." And they say, "This is the patient." And they say, yeah. Wait, you'll get to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so. Uh, they drove home, and, and and there's and there's two afterthoughts to all this. First of all, Alan and Ollie Joe had an eighth of an ounce of cocaine on them. They didn't tell me about. Smart guys. That's why they were in a hurry to dump me off. Ah. They could get <laughs> wow, do business. Uh, yeah. And they said uh. Argus is a waste. You're getting well. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. You Can yeah. yeah. we sober? Yeah, get this shit to yeah. And then. And then the final punchline is is i'm performing at the betty ford annual reunion wow Uh, a a year later i've got one year of sobriety mitzi's there she's crying and uh she's going to danny stone at the time but he gives her the night off she comes to rancho mirage to see you know these 800 millionaires and me (laughs) graduates of the betty Ford. yeah and i'm up there performing and i said I talked about look, driving around looking for that 7-Eleven. I said to this day, I don't know which was stupider, mm-hmm. me thinking that another six pack of beer was going to fix me, <laughs> or that there was a 7-Eleven in Rancho Mirage. <laughs> 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 oh my God! I owe great... my life to yeah, I owe do. my life to her. She gave me a life. She saved it, and she gave me one back. That's amazing. The rest man. I got to give to the, the public because that's 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 why she saved me.
1: That's amazing. Oh man. yeah, man! It's uh, you're a you're a, a, a comedy treasure and just a fucking real life right. treat. Well, thanks for having and me on the being show. Being around man. you makes everybody better, man. Absolutely, thanks for having um, me on your show you, was a lot of fun. Was it good? Yeah, you guys are great. You were yeah. uh, so fun, man. Comedy so-
0: Store tonight on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to it. Argus Watch it. Argus Hamilton's Comedy Store tonight. Argus <coughs> Hamilton's Comedy <coughs> Store tonight. Come to the Comedy Store. See him in the suit. You gotta yeah. have Polly on. <laughs> you gotta have Polly on soon. Yeah,
2: that's huh? gotta
1: be a great chat. Polly, has he been on the show yet?
2: Uh, Paulie's waiting to uh, see how the dust settles on all these documentaries yes. before he, he participates in gotcha. the Gotcha, okay,
1: ones. gotcha. Okay, yeah, for <laughs> sure. we'll see it. Um, and uh, on social media? Argus Hamilton? Hamilton? Argus Hamilton.
2: At Argus Hamilton? At Argus Hamilton. At Argus, At Argus Hamilton. Perfect. Go. I mean, I end every set by saying you all remember to friend me on Instagram, okay? <laughs> 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 Good night, everybody. so <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Hanukkah
0: Willow? <laughs> nice. Meh, what's up, dog? This is your pal Bugs Bunny. Say, uh, I got a question for you. Do you know who has the head of Elmer Fudd and the body of Foghorn Leghorn? Why, that's Adam Ray and Brad Williams. Ain't I a stinker? Seeking the truth never gets old.